Hello, and thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Magnificent Whiskers podcast. Uh, just a quick warning to all of you listening. Um, we wanted to offer a small trigger warning. There are some pretty graphic discussions of gore, and the topic of this, this episode is horror uh, of every type that we can imagine. So if you have any, uh, any issues listening to that sort of content then perhaps uh, go ahead and skip ahead to the next episode or go back and re-listen to one of your favorites until we post the new one. Recorded in the spooky month, we went ahead and decided to release this just a little bit later, and we're really excited to bring uh, this very special episode of the show to you. Please remember to like, rate, and subscribe to the show, toss us a comment in your favorite podcatcher, and uh, thank you again for stopping by. Please enjoy this episode of Magnificent Whiskers. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Magnificent Whiskers podcast. Uh, as always, uh, my name is Remy, and I got super lucky. Not only was I able to collaborate schedules with Amy, would you like to say hi? Hi. But I got lucky enough to grab Ben again. What is going on here? Hi, Ben. How you doing? I'm, well, obviously very excited to have both of you again. Um, this, is, uh, this is starting to become a trend, uh, but I'm not mad. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, is now that you allow us to not have to travel and you can just catch us anywhere, this is pretty easy. <laughs> now that I allow it, yes. Now, <laughs> now that technology now allows that, It's more like now that I finally figured out how to do this in such a way that doesn't require me to be in the same room with people, uh, right. the possibilities are endless. Uh, I was in the old... Oh, is Ben wearing pants? <laughs> Which is totally uh, inconsequential at this point, man. I mean, yeah. unless we're going to start throwing selfies in, then uh, we'll, we'll uh, be able to vote. And uh, yeah, I'll <laughs> answer next episode. <laughs> uh, so we have um, hilariously and thankfully gone through our process of the get to know you questions. So now that everybody already knows both Ben and Amy, and if you guys don't know me by now, you, you never will. Uh, we're going to actually go ahead and just charge headlong into the topic that we wanted to talk about today, which is uh, it's horror. And it's, 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 the, it's the most horrible month of the year, right? That's how that goes. <laughs> the best. I'm trying to rewrite that song and it's not working very well. And it's so Horrible time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's like something, some kind of horrible amalgamation coming out of Halloween Town or something. Yeah. Oh, I could do that. I could write a parody like that. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I think it would be a blast. I did, the, it was so confusing how frequently they tried to use bad things as good things, but they were good things, and yet they were bad at the same time. And it was just, my, my brain, even at this stage in my life, can't quite uh, connect the dots very well. Um, yeah. He corrected him by telling him how horrible their their Christmas would be. Or no, he said how horrible our Christmas would be. And he said, no, how jolly. And it just threw him for a loop. <laughs> that that film, that film wish, gets turned on in like September. It doesn't get turned off again until like February in my house. That's fair. Yeah. I want to start with people a jolly Halloween. Yeah, that could be I fun. Mean, Halloween is supposed to be fun. And jolly Halloween, you get that nice rhyming little bit there. Uh-huh. A jolly Christmas. <laughs> I'm stealing it. Halloween, we get jolly. Yeah. I say we, like I'm like the spokesman for Halloween, but I kind I of mean, am. It oh, just I'm, now became canon. 
it just now became canon. Now, now it's true. So now I'm expecting to see. I don't. I don't care if it's business cards, or if you get it etched on your door like you're a private eye, or if it no. just goes on one of your social media sites. But you must now proclaim yourself as the spokesman for Halloween. <laughs> I think that's accurate. Yeah, probably. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, so. Really, I'm just mostly interested where it comes to both of you. Um, and I have, of course, I have a story or two to share of my own. But like, do you guys, how do you guys do with with horror in general? Are you like, are you big fans? Do you participate? Like, what's the deal with you guys? I'm a medium horror fan. Uh, I, I okay. know, kind of at least as far as movies go. Because there's so many horror movies and... Not to, I'm not elitist about many things. There's so few good horror movies. It's there. There's just libraries and libraries of, of really, really C minus kind of horror. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I'm a little picky about uh, about my horror, but uh, it is one of my favorite genres. Genres when done right. So what makes like a good horror film for you though? Is it more about the gore? Is it more about the psychological aspects? Are you looking for a good mix? For me, absolutely like all psychological. I'm not a gore person. Like if everybody could just die the way they do in the good, the bad and the ugly, where they just go, ah, <laughs> and just fall over and we just know that they're dead. That would be fine with me. Cause I'm very squeamish. I love the heart pounding chase through the house and don't go up the stairs and oh no. And the existential dread that the bad guy is coming to get you. And then if, if like the minute he plunged his knife into the guy's chest, I just knew he was dead and never had to see him again. That would be fine with me. Okay. I gotta be honest. I, I did not peg you for the squeamish type. Oh yeah. It's super squeamish. <laughs> Interesting. I'm going back to college this year to go be a teacher. I've gotten into like nursing or something, but I nope, not even kind of. <laughs> Okay, I can respect it. I just didn't expect it. Now and, and speaking of expectations, uh, Amy, like I fully expect you to tell me that you like don't even watch horror films because they're they're not made by Disney. <laughs> well, I mean this might harm my Disney street cred, but uh no, I, I I don't mind horror. I don't, I don't like horror movies as in, um, like the, the, I don't necessarily like the classics. And I know that's weird. Um, because, but it's because they're predictable and I, I love psychological thrillers. I, and I also like, um, and it's funny because we're so drastically different, Ben and I, some of my favorites are actually the Saw movies. The, the ones that are bloody and gory, but I don't like it necessarily for that. It's more the psychological part and the way the traps are designed. Yeah, I always I, thought they had a really pos- like a really powerful balance between psychological right. and gore in that one. Well, and the engineering that came into play to make those traps is really fucking cool. Like, yeah. That takes a lot of thought. And then the, some guy had to make those or some girl had to, you know, blacksmith and, and iron work and all of that kind of stuff to create that and that's really cool um i like <laughs> i used to watch a lot of the paranormal uh films like paranormal uh paranormal activity paranormal entity um any hauntings and stuff because i used to be a paranormal investigator and um i used to like those and kind of debunk them or <laughs> i like to be like oh that's actually pretty accurate or oh that thing happened to me <laughs> that kind of really fun too 
<laughs> art imitating life in the truest sense, I guess. Yeah. Uh, okay, fair enough. See, I have to say, I've gone, as far as films are considered, um, I've, I went to the theater when the first Hostel came out. Um, it was to see a different movie. No, it wasn't. I'm kidding. Uh, it was, no, I went to see it in theaters and immediately, like, once the film concluded, stood up, looked at my friends and said, cool, who wants to go watch The Lion King? I need a recovery movie. Uh, that, ah. that, that was so, like, you know, there was there were some psychological elements to it, but at the end of the day, that, that movie was all about torture. And, That's cool. uh, Yeah, it was really, it was really, and there was some really cool gore scenes in it. Um, somebody had uh, had received uh, spoilers, I guess. I we actually, <laughs> what do you guys you think? Somebody like emailing the podcast, you spoiled Hostel for me. <laughs> I don't think... There would be a how many year window that you can't spoil it. Oh, it's like, how old is that movie? <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> What's the window for this? Because I feel like if we're still in spoilers territory for the first Hostel, then it never ends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But there's a there's a scene where um, one of the victims had had a, a blowtorch taken to their face, and the yeah. way that the body had reacted caused it to eject the eye from the from the head, but um, it was still attached. Right. Okay, got it. And so, in uh, one one of the things that happens is like one of the main characters manages to escape, um, which was really cool. Like you really rooted for him in a big way. He'd had a couple of his fingers removed by this point. He had a power drill taken to his leg. Uh, and like, there was so much blood on the floor that the guy ended up slipping um, in the blood. And like, I, I think he, I think the chainsaw he was using like fell on him or something like that. And because- It was like a horror home alone. Kind of, yeah. And because the guy had cut the victim's fingers off, he was able to slip out of like the restraints and then ended up finishing that guy off and like escaping. Well, he finds this this woman who this had happened to, and I guess he's trying to help. So he takes these like scissors of some sort and just like clips the eye off. Jeez. And like it's, it squirts <laughs> out this goop. He had been squeamishing already. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it pretty tense. Exactly on the edge of the horror spectrum that I'm like, ugh. Everything about that is awful. Like, who would want to? Like, I, I don't get why that's. And again, I'm not criticizing other people for liking this movie. For me personally, that is everything about horror that I despise. There's no plot. It's just what if, what if awful stuff happened to people? Yeah, yeah. It's basically like if you if you went to Germany and you there was like this underground ring of people who would pay to be able to enact their most gruesome fantasies on other human beings and they have to pay a lot of money for it and then like depending on your nationality you were worth more money so naturally americans were worth like woohoo lots of money right and, i mean no in theory the plot to the movie i'm not suggesting it didn't have a plot i'm suggesting it didn't have a plot <laughs> i got you i got you uh i think my the only thing in the entire like the only kind of um torture that was visited on anybody that i actually enjoyed personally was uh one of the other friends he was begging to be let go begging to be let go begging to be let go and the guy like finally gets tired of hearing it gets down behind him and you hear him like jingling with the chains and stuff like that and uh like the guy's screaming right because like he doesn't know what the guy's gonna do to him and then he gets up, walks to the front door, opens the front door, sweeps his arm toward the door and was like, you're free to go. And dude's like, what, really? And he's like, yep, you're free to go. Just go. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, so he, he like unsteadily gets up and he's getting ready to like run. 
and the camera zooms down onto his Achilles tendons that split wide open because the guy had cut them without him realizing it. And when he went to take a step, it just <laughs> opened wide open. That was the only scene that like in that film that I was like, oh, that's like really smart and that's really cool. Uh, but that, that movie messed me up pretty bad. I, I don't know if it was, for me personally, I don't know if it's like having become a father um, and so my brain automatically goes into like a different place than where it used to be. Or, sure. Because I used to enjoy horror films, but at this point now, I can't do it. Well, I think it's important to draw the line again between, you know, a horror film and what amounts to torture porn. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I feel like Hostel probably doesn't, you know, but you don't really get, now that they're remaking the It movies, we're getting a little bit more of those like old monster-y sort of um, uh, horror films, but you're not, we're not getting too many of like what, what I think you guys were referring to by as the classics. Sure. I mean, you know, the classics are the classics for a reason. Maybe some of the movies we're making now will turn into them. Perhaps. You know, rare to have an instant classic. You know, maybe something like Get Out would be an instant classic. And that's horror-ish, but that's really more of a thriller. Um, so, so maybe some of the movies that are being made now will turn into tomorrow's classics. But um, I think it's hard to say, no classic movies are being made anymore. Um, that's not necessarily accurate. Well, yeah, that's a, it's impossible for you to tell because they're not classics yet. <laughs> like there's, right. not, there's not enough separation yet to determine, oh, this is really kind of a timeless movie or, oh, this had a really cool thing that was never done before and it actually worked. And now looking back at it, it, it was really revolutionary in the genre of horror or whatever. Yeah, I just feel like the the methods, obviously we're going to be using different methods than we've used before, but I just feel like they're very, like, they they don't make them like they used to uh, is a is a pretty apt um, phrase to, to use in this particular genre. Uh, but my point also beyond that is even though I can't really consume too much in that genre, I've also been creating a lot in the horror genre, which is really strange. Um, writing. Oh, very good. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I've done, I've done a little bit of writing. Um, uh, and, and I, I seem to be coming up with more and more like what I would consider to be scary stories uh, and a pretty, and, and those are the things that I've been focusing a lot of writing on. And I think some of it comes from listening to um, the horror anthology podcast that I listened to and also shameless self-promotion was featured on um, and uh, the gray rooms. And it's just, it, it weirds me out for me personally that I'm like, oh no, I, I definitely don't want to go see Get Out. I definitely don't want to go see these scary movies, but hey, I'll try to scare people. Even though, I'm not, even though I'm having trouble being a fan of the genre, I'm trying to create in there. And I don't know, it just, it's just very strange to me. Well, well, that's fair. And I mean, it's always interesting. I think that maybe segues nicely to a conversation about what scares you. So like, you know, we talked about torture porn versus like a more psychological thriller. What movies do you find the scariest? Me personally? Um, I'm trying to think of some like good examples at this point. Like I, I pretty much just stay away from almost anything at That's, this point. How about you, Amy? Um, stuff that actually scares me. I, you know what? I haven't had many films that have like physically gave it given me a, a scare reaction and this is going to sound really dumb uh, uh signs was the last one that did it to me because i have an issue with aliens 
Oh, that's interesting. interesting. I, I do. I'm such a weird person, but it's because of past trauma. <laughs> my so grand- do you have an abduction story that you've been waiting oh, to drop God. on no, us here? My grandfather made me watch Alien Autopsy in the 90s. You know when that Alien Autopsy footage came out? Oh, yeah. He th- he was he w- he wasn't a conspiracy theorist, but he liked to look at conspiracy theories and just kind of see it for his own amusement. He got the alien autopsy things and made me watch it, and I was young, like I was pretty young when that came out, and it it traumatized me. I wouldn't look out windows, and then when I was older and science came out, I was like sixteen. E.T. I was down with. It's the big, long, gangly ones with the light bulb-shaped heads and the big old eyes. Mm-hmm. Those, those I can't handle. And it was like the, the, the birthday party, the hidden footage from the birthday party in Signs where they had the thing Oh, yeah. Him. Oh, I was done for. And then the weird thing, the gas that came out of his wrist. Oh, I was, I was done for. I didn't, again, I didn't look out a window for hours. I was like 16, an embarrassing a long time. <laughs> like, it, it's just, I think it's the aesthetic. It, it's terrifying to me. Um, but what actually, <laughs> ventriloquist dummies scare me, aliens scare me certain types anyway. And I mean, jump scares. I, I'm, I'm the worst in haunted houses. I laugh the entire time. Really? I do. I laugh the entire time. And I'm looking at the lighting and the set design and like <laughs> the, the actors are doing a good job. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm the worst. He's <laughs> <laughs> scared of aliens. I'm scared of people. <laughs> so like, you know, I can appreciate a good werewolf movie. I can appreciate a good, you know, the grudge, Japanese spirit takes over the house kind of deal. Yeah. Realistically, I know that's fiction. Like, to me, the scariest thing is like the original Halloween. You know, a babysitter and kids in a neighborhood and some creep on the loose. It's like, you could do that. I have that costume. If I lost my mind, I could try to enact that movie tomorrow. And that's what's horrifying to me. You know what I mean? I do. I think I have to side with you there. Because uh, as you guys were talking, I tried to give it a little bit more thought. For some reason, I didn't expect that question to come up. So I hadn't been thinking about it. Um, I think that the things that scare me more than anything at this point are like things that are the realistic could actually happen. Mm-hmm. And a series I adored, and it's an odd one because it was sort of a comedy horror, uh, was Scream. Yeah. I thought that was terrifying because the costume was just so plain. It could just be anybody, just some lunatic on a college campus. Oh my gosh, that's, that's just, it's so, that could happen. I know it can't happen, but like, it could happen. Right. That, that was so much more viscerally scary to me. And mind you, and not that I'm making my own point here, none, neither of the movies I just brought up were gory at all. And they right. were still horrifying. I always thought gore was sort of a, a cheap way to add to the scare value, but some people love it. Um, I agree. To me, those were just like existentially, oh, I look at my locked door and think, oh, could that really keep somebody out? That's the stuff that keeps me up. Werewolves and vampires are awesome, and you can make awesome movies about them, and I will enjoy them. I will not be scared by them. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I don't get, again, I don't get, like psychologically 
afraid of pretty much any movie that I watch. It's more the, the jumpy scares, which mm-hmm. is a, a physical reaction. That's definitely more of a, you're intensely watching something and something crashes or something moves or you see a scary face or something like that. That's, that's physiological response. That's not necessarily, oh, I'm scared of a book falling off a shelf. No, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that to happen. I didn't know what to expect. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the things that I encounter sometimes with these style of films is uh, claustrophobia messes with me. And I end up putting my, myself in the mind of the person who's stuck. Oh, and, I can see that. Yeah, and, and I can't help it. I, I try so hard not to end up there, but for some reason I keep, I'm like, oh, could I make it out of there? Like, could I do this? Could I do that? And I end up in the mind of the person who's stuck. Like, I uh, I made it a, a mission of mine to try and consume all of Ryan Reynolds' um, films. And he has a movie called Buried. Mm-hmm. And I haven't gone near it yet. No, I, that's uh, when, when, like, it happens on a CSI show or something and somebody's yep. the grave underground and just trying to conserve their breath. My hands and feet get sweaty. That, I'm the same way. That's really... Oh. That gets right to my core. Yeah, claustrophobia will get me every single time. And then in addition to that, um, there is uh, what I might classify as the unknown. So I know that I feel like there are areas that some stories go into that there's no, that kind of based on faith and or lack of science, we can't prove nor disprove. And that gets my spine tingling sometimes. I don't necessarily get afraid, but I get like excited and really interested. And like, sometimes it makes my stomach do the cold thing. Um, And I don't necessarily just mean like ghosts per se, but I'll tell you the last movie, the last movie that I chose to watch that legitimately terrified me uh, in part because of my belief system at the time was the exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, that was good. Yeah. That one left me up pretty good. Um, I like, I like exorcism movies. I really do. Yeah. They're a blast. Uh, but that one's up the the granddaddy of exorcism movies, uh, The Exorcist, <laughs> which is the one movie I can think of that doesn't have a human element that was still the scariest freaking thing on the planet. I love that. Oh my god, that was scary. That was great. I I loved it. it. I mean, it terrified me, but it also was like, oh, oh, that's cool. Oh, I see why it's doing that. Oh no, it's so mad at you. <laughs> I'm the uh, worst. <laughs> that's my one counterexample to my previous corollary. I got you. I got you. Oh, that was so good. I have the director's cut. That's that's one of my favorites. Oh, um, well, and I liked watching some of the, they're, they're cheesy, but like some of the made-for-TV sci-fi movies on the Sci-Fi Channel, there was one that was, um, it was based out of, it was based on a real story out of, I think it was like Reading, Pennsylvania. It was called The Haunted, I believe. Oh, and Yeah. Oh, it was super good and pretty damn accurate for some of the stuff that they discussed in it. Like the things that you would run into. I know he's rolling, Ben's rolling his eyes at me, but like the, the, the things that you would look for in a, in a paranormal infestation or when you're on an investigation like that, it's like, oh, wow, they actually did the thing. They did the research and it was based on a real story. So that makes sense. I wasn't rolling eyes at you. Uh, (laughs) You said uh, sci-fi channel based on a true story, and I said, please say Sharknado. Please say Sharknado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not so sure about that one. Uh, <laughs> oh, I am. That, that's real. That happened. <laughs> based convinced. on a true story. It said right on the thing. 
It was based on documentation. There's actual documentation. <laughs> yeah, Alex Jones has the documents yeah. right here. Say it again? Alex Jones has the documents right here. You're right, so, right. Oh my God. Yeah, that guy. I actually just did a uh, vocal audition, um, a voiceover audition like a week or two ago where one of the characters were supposed to be Alex Jones-like. That'd I be like, play. I mean, he's, he's odious, but that would be a, a fun acting challenge. Yeah, they, their feedback for me was that I just yelled too much. And I was like, did you ever watch his <laughs> watch show? Out. He's yeah. off. He yells. That's what he does. Yep. I went, I, went, um, I went one part Alex Jones, one part J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, just because of the way that I sound in comparison to the way that guy sounds. And I wanted to preserve my vocal cords instead of like opting to blow them out because I don't have sponsors who will pay my bills if I don't have a voice. So. <laughs> like he did um yeah. i didn't get the part just saying uh <laughs> I just, okay now there's something that i do enjoy is is cult type stuff that's fun to discuss and and delve into and the psychology behind it Ooh, love a cult do love a good cult <laughs> i feel like wasn't there just some kind of like mega controversy over something netflix put out that was about somebody's cult mm, i didn't hear anything about it, it. It was, uh, or maybe it was just like, wasn't Zac Efron involved too? Like he played like one Uh-oh. of the- Oh, well that was the Ted Bundy thing. Okay. That was the Ted Bundy thing. And the, the controversy behind it was that Zac Efron is such a uh, hunk and hunk and piece of meat that like it kind of, it kind of fans, it, it kind of fantasized that whole uh, <laughs> like a serial killer thing. And just, it made it, made it hot. And that's what people were having issues with. It's like this person was clearly like awful, and you see people having crushes on on Ted Bundy now, all over again. A little bit disturbing. Yeah. Well, let, let's let's also, let's zoom in on that a little bit. What you just said, all over again. Yeah. Because when he first came into the limelight, there were some people who were like into him. Some. There were a lot. There. there he entire like cadre of screaming women that did nothing but wanted to defend him and and swore up and down he was innocent it's because of that that charismatic and also psychologically damaged individual and that's terrifying to me yeah and he wasn't the only one oh no i think when you think of a serial killer you think of you know, some loner in a basement. You think of like Jane Gum from uh, Silence of the Lambs, you know, making uh, uh, suits out of, out of women's skin by himself. And just to have this guy be just somebody who looks like somebody you meet on the street, kind of handsome, kind of seemingly normal. It just it did not compute that this guy could be, you know, the fucking devil. Well, and imagine on the way that that plays into somebody's own self-image when they realize, oh, shit, if I didn't know he was a serial killer, I'd probably have a beer with this guy. I would like him. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's what's terrifying about it. I think that's why, I mean, I think it's why the uh, cloud of fascination around him persists to this day is uh, so much more than I think many of the other serial killers who've made it into the American public consciousness. He just did not fit that mold. You know, when we figured out, like, who Jeffrey Dahmer was and what he'd done, you saw the pictures of him and you said, I can see it. Yeah, that seems like maybe. That fits the mold, the preconceived idea. 
no, not that guy. That guy, <laughs> no. And his crimes were heinous. I mean, mm-hmm. they were awful. And just people just couldn't couldn't connect the two. And that's why I think the fascination around him, I said, to this day. I mean, that's that's the he's a textbook example of like a, a sociopath kind of a psychopath person and you, you can't it's it's the physical look of the guy that that really was disarming and he absolutely used it to his van his advantage he was aware of the effects that he had on people and that's and and going back to the cults thing that's the same kind of thing like these leaders are aware of the sway that they have over anyone that they talk to and they use that to their advantage. And that's really terrifying, especially if someone's, you know, emotionally damaged or weak that runs into them. And, and it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. It could be somebody that seems completely well adjusted, but they meet this person and they hit the right points and they hit the right weak spots that that's it. That's it. Well, and I feel like the people who are um, emotionally damaged and have experienced trauma are typically targeted yes. by these cult leaders because they're the easiest to continue to break down and mold into what they need them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, did you know that, uh, so you guys remember the show Boy Meets World? Oh, yeah. sure. Okay, so this this is relevant for multiple reasons, but um, before I get into the one that's most relevant to our present line of conversation, do you remember that they had a horror episode? No. They did a Halloween episode where uh, Mr. Feeney, it turns out, was just like sleeping through detention. (laughs) But uh, he dreamt about how there was a killer in the school. And this was when they were in high school. Um, And like they went and like knocked everybody off. Oh boy. I'm sure that didn't age especially well. That will not age well. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I would encourage you to watch it and kind of make that decision for yourself at that point. I know it was a big deal because Jennifer Love Hewitt guest starred. Oh. And she um, died by having a bunch of library books dropped on her head. Uh, and and there was like, there was no gore or anything like when people died. Although I will say they found Mr. Feeney right away with a pair of scissors in his back. Ooh. Um, yeah. So, Who done it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it turned out um, it was... Spoilers. It turned, <laughs> it turned out it was Sean killing everybody because Corey and Topanga had broken up. <laughs> and he that's... couldn't and he couldn't handle it. And so he was <laughs> he was killing everybody to like try and push them back together again. Bless. Yeah. Uh but they they also did an episode with uh with a cult. I don't remember that one either. They um they encouraged I know that we have one listener in particular who's gonna be so fucking thrilled at the fact that I'm talking about this, but then beyond that, uh if I'm if I told you any part of that that's wrong, I hope that they comment and tell us. So I'll be looking for that. Um they there was um I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. It was uh Yep, okay, I don't remember. When Sean, when his dad was like chasing his mom across the country and he was staying, it was called The Center. Um, Sean was, Sean's dad was t- chasing Sean's mom like cross country and he was staying with the Matthews and he was feeling like really dejected and like he didn't have a home. And this guy, Mr. Mac from The Center, uh, welcomed Sean in and like Corey's dad was not having it. He actually almost hit the guy. It was really amazing. Um, but yeah, they did it. They did a whole episode where they, um, they 
Sean almost went into this cult and uh, that was actually, if I'm not mistaken, that was the episode where Mr. Turner wrecked his motorcycle. Oh, okay. I remember that. Yep. And um, for the cult plot line. Yeah. Yeah. That well, was actually like the main plot line of the, <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> it's a boy meets world marathon. I could not agree more. Uh, <laughs> we, we may not be presently sponsored by ABC, but maybe after this episode, we'll be able to have a conversation. Yeah. And, oh, and, no. And Disney, please, ha- please hire me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Okay. Uh, I second that, uh, that request. Um, but that just means that if we end up sponsored by ABC, we're going to have to talk about Shondaland all the time. No, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> really? She's no. with Scandal, right? Sh- Shonda Rhimes did. It does Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, Off the Map, I, Scandal. I, I watched them. I was a house girl, though. I thought you were into Scandal. Mm-mm. No, I never watched it. No, I, I liked House. That was my favorite, but that wasn't that wrong wrong network, though. Yes, wrong network. No, House uh, House was spectacular. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I liked the first, uh, I want to say, like, 45 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but I've certainly fallen away from it. Fun fact, I actually, I don't know if you guys ever watched a single episode when I when my mom had started watching it and I was just kind of like watching it in the living room with her while she was watching it, I totally thought the main character was George, not Meredith Grey. <laughs> just. I... <laughs> well, there you go. It was just from the episode, like the, the, I, I don't know if it was the context of the episodes that I was watching or what, but for some reason he stuck out to me like the main character and then spoilers, the guy gets run over by a bus. So obviously not. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel intense. like uh, other shows and, and I can think of a few. Uh, they just have run so far past their their prime where it's like you almost don't remember what the show used to be. Like um, what? Uh, another one, uh, I don't believe The Simpsons still runs, I think. It does. And I will I will fight you. Seasons three through fourteen of the, the Simpsons are better than any nice like like meaty run of any other show. But like it annoys me now that, like, when my, my school children have heard of The Simpsons and they're like, yeah, it's all right. I'm like, you don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like shows that recognize when their window is closing and say, this has been great. I love you all. And, and we could make three more seasons, but they won't be as good. Uh, here I'm thinking, like, Parks and Rec or 30 Rock. It's at seven seasons. This has been great. Goodbye. Uh, and, and they'll, I think, be remembered the way they should be, as opposed to something like The Simpsons, which, you know, was such a cultural phenomenon. But now, you know, a new generation knows them, but doesn't know them. Right. And that's, it, to me, that's a little sad. If they'd stopped at season 13 or 14, I could tell, you know, oh, you know what, you got to go back and watch. There was this show. And, and they'd watch it and say, oh, my God, that's great. But now to have them kind of, have grown up with the watered down version. It's like, I'm not going to convince you that season four is so much better than season 30. <laughs> you won't believe me, but it is, you know? Well, and on that topic, what about like episodic horror, like TV shows, like, like American horror story or, um, trying to, huh. I was thinking about it since it was, you know, back in the nineties and stuff like that. I was thinking like, are you afraid of the dark? I was not allowed to watch that one. Oh, I love the hell it's back. I was not, it was on Nickelodeon. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh yeah, and it's back. 
And yeah, I know it's back, but like I, I was not allowed to watch it because my sister is six years younger than I am. Oh no! So like, as as I was like getting to the age where that programming would have been appropriate for me, she was way too young, and I never got to watch them. I was not allowed to watch that at all. <laughs> it's interesting that the way that we uh, perceive appropriate age for horror, and depending on how it's made for us, because with the Goosebump books. Yeah. And subsequent movies, right? Like, obviously, yeah. they're not like to, to to adults. They're probably not going to creep you out too bad, right? But they're they're like they're like children humor or humor horror. Uh, but I actually have a couple of friends who've chosen to like they tested horror out on their kids because that was like their preferred genre, and right. their younger children are like soundly sleeping through the night despite watching like The Walking Dead and like horror stuff. The Walking Dead's another one that's too gory for me. I'm like such a wimp about it. Oh yeah, no, I, I, well, my issues with Walking Dead go way deeper than the gore, but I can definitely see where you, uh, where you would feel that way. It bothers me. That. Fully, like a third of horror is just off limits for me. Like, <laughs> too, too gory. I'm out. No, I get it, man. I actually watched uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I think it was the remake, the one with like Jessica Biel in it. Oh and, sure. Uh, Oh. Well, they, they were. I realize, I realize that what I'm about to tell you is going to make you want to turn inside out. Um, putting people up on meat hooks, I was perfectly fine with that. Everything else, oh, even from the, the the best scene from the original one. That yeah. was like again. It was the viscerally horrifying. Oh my god! He just put a woman on a meat hook, but they didn't need to show her slide down or bleed out. It was just oh my god. Right. I understand that she's dead and in a horrifying way, and that was so scary and cool. And I thought that something they really got right was they didn't need to show, oh, look, and her intestine gets caught. You can see the whole thing. Why? Why? <laughs> she's dead. We get it. <laughs> but then the thing that really messed me up is when the one guy almost escaped and he caught him. Oh, yeah. Dragging him down the basement stairs, and he reaches out to the wall. And he's scratching his way down the wall, trying to stop him from pulling him down. And then the thing with the fingernails. And that's, oh, as far that's, as, that's all I'm going to say. Because I can't, I can't. There's something about fingernail trauma that just makes me mm, twist myself up like a wet rag. There's a reason why that's a torture technique. There's a lot of nerve endings in there. Yeah, he's no bueno. I can't. No I can't. bueno. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. I can't. I'm over here like scratching my own fingernails I, right now. I'm holding my little paws together. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> can confirm. <laughs> I, I have my paws all curled up. I don't want anyone near my fingers. Yeah, it's. Mm, I can't. I can't handle it. Yeah. Mm, okay. Mm, so anyway. Oh, good. What? I said, my question is, why? Why do we enjoy horror? Why is it fun to dress up and scare people? What, what itch does that scratch? I've never totally understood. I know I obviously love, love, love horror and Halloween and all that. I don't know why. I think it's a control thing for some people. Being able to know that knowing that you're safe but that you are putting yourself in a situation that elicits the feelings of not being safe that causes that fight or flight response and like gives you that small adrenaline rush i think that like 
exerting that own control over your own life and your entertainment. I, I think it's kind of, um, that's where, where, I think that's where a lot of the enjoyment for some people comes from. It's just like any kind of risk, any, any safe risk, like even something as much as skydiving or, or bungee jumping or going on roller coasters or anything. It's that you have control over your situation, but your body's going to react in that way. I can see that. Yeah, I think, I think to question why, I think, I mean, without, with lacking the psychology degree that I would need to really be able to give you a better reason, um, I think that's got a lot to do with it. I, I never really sat back and dissected my own inspiration behind uh, why I enjoyed it, and now I don't anymore, so my opinion is moot. Um, I, but, I don't know. I like to, I like, do you like to, I like to creep people out, but I don't necessarily, I mean, yes, scaring them is kind of fun, but like, I would much rather creep someone out and let that shit, let, let that linger than just a jump scare. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd rather be, un, I'd rather be unsettled than just be frightened very quickly. That's yeah. why I like psychological horror as opposed to regular horror, I think. I can agree with that. Um, I'm also the same guy that like frequently tells dead dad jokes just to make people uncomfortable. No. <laughs> so... So yeah, definitely with you on like the slow burn creep for sure. Well, well, yeah, I just, I think that's what I prefer is like the, I want you to twist me emotionally instead of twist me um, from a physiological jump scare manner. Cause like my body is going to react. Like it doesn't, you don't understand what I'm saying when I talk about that, right? Like something that jumps out in front of you it's not that you're not, you could, a teddy bear could fall off the table and like, oh, that, but if it scares you, like it's, it's a physical response to that sudden noise where like, you know, if it's something that is a slow burn, that psychological tapping at things that are unsettling, I mm-hmm. feel like that's way more, way more intense for me. It hit me emotionally, not necessarily the physiological reaction. Well, Amy, something you said a moment ago, uh, you said, I like to creep people out. You, you know, I, I don't mind jumping out and scaring them, but I like to creep people out. Why? What about that is, and again, I'm not picking on you specifically. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to kind of unpack that. What about that is fun? Like, why is that fun? I agree well, with you. I love the same things. Because it's tapping into... Uh, more primitive stuff. Like, okay, another thing uncanny valley when something is within that human but not quite human thing which is i think why why aliens and specifically dummies creep me out the way they do is because they're humanoid but not quite um i feel as though it's if, if i tug at your heart like that's the way it feels it's like when you're watching something that is psychologically thrilling like oh that is so disturbing oh my god that's so fucked up oh oh my god that, that it, it's it's pulling on the the past experiences that everyone has had it's pulling on like like cre- things like creepy dolls. Everyone's had a doll that has kind of sort of creeped them out for no apparent reason. Or it, it's pulling on on older stuff, on more primitive stuff than just the, the, the physical scare. Does that make sense? It does. I, I mean, that, that's why I think I enjoy movies like that. I'm saying like- Why I like-, like what, What's fun, and again, I'm somebody who likes to work at haunted houses. I like to, I've got- Costumes and masks, I go trick-or-treating on Halloween. I love being scary. Why? What about that end of it is fun for people, is appealing for people? 
Uh, Why do we dress up as scary stuff for Halloween? Well, I mean, do you want the actual history? I mean, I know, like, traditionally why we do. I mean, psychologically, why is it fun to be scary stuff? I mean, people would dress up in scary costumes to feel like they had control over that thing. Over death and yeah, like, uncertainty. Did we lose? Did we lose? <laughs> Jeremy's still there. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just listening. <laughs> I was like, he fell asleep. Like, he fell asleep or we got disconnected. Um, I think I think it's because we, we dress up in scary costumes and become those scary characters because then we feel like we have control over the thing that does scare us. That's an interesting way to look at it. I, I really, I think of, that's, I mean, think of the ritual. Think of rituals like, like um, when we were in Bulgaria, for example. There is a ritual in the spring of the year where people dress up in those scary costumes with the crazy masks and they run around and they pretend that they're the big scary thing and then the people rally together and defeat the scary thing it's it's a it's a a way to face those fears in a in a safe manner without the actual threat and it goes back to the same thing that you're saying about um you know watching or when i was saying about watching horror versus riding roller coasters or whatever it's those facing those fears in a safe place that you can be less scared of them i can see that does that i don't know well, I mean, in the sense that, like, I, I guess maybe that's why the traditions uh, persist. I get it. And in the sense that, you know, to be the bad thing, to be Michael Myers or whatever, you're just part of that tradition. Somebody has to be the bad thing that gets defeated. Right. Like, why is that end of it specifically fun? A being the bad guy? Yeah. Being the bad guy is tons of fun. <laughs> I don't know, why is being, bad, being the bad guy fun? You're allowed to let go of inhibitions. I suppose the that's rule, The rules are off. The, the, the things of you can't be, because there's always a little bit of mischief in children, and, and sometimes it, can, it exists into adulthood, more so than others. Um, the, the, you're, you're taking the guardrails off. That's a fair way to look at it. You, you're choosing not to be you for a little while and just to do something... Uh... I get mischievous. Yeah, you're 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 allowed to just be pure id in a safe place. So I think it's in in in, in both respects, whether you are the scarer or the scare e, you're you're just trading who's going to be the id and who's going to be the the which one would it be? I can't I can never remember which one's ego or super ego. I can never remember. Hey, me either. I, I I recognize those words as English words in the English language, but outside of that, I've uh, their definitions. Well, I can never remember the difference between the ego and the super ego. Like I know I know my own theory is reversed, but but you know what an id is, right? You know what the id is when I'm talking about that, right? Uh, sort of, yeah. There are three parts of the human psyche, um, and it and it, of of one particular uh, scientist or, or or philosopher when it came to dealing with human nature said it was split into three parts. Id, ego, and superego. The id is like pure wants and desires without any concept of repercussion and does not care. Like a child in its, in its infancy is pure id. It wants the thing, it gets the thing. That's it. But as you develop as a person, you learn that this is beneficial to me. If I act this way, if I get this, you learn that those kinds of behaviors are more beneficial than just screaming for what you want. 
I think when you're the scarer, you get to be the pure id for a hot second. The rules are the rules are no longer applying for this very little play thing, this little playtime. It's playtime. That's that's the answer I was looking for. I like that. <laughs> you're just gonna make me ramble until I got it. <laughs> A little party analysis. I mean, that's not, <laughs> I didn't know that that's the answer I wanted. I was just like, yeah, no, that makes sense to me. It's just the idea that, you know, for, I guess when you're a little kid, you know, you're a witch or a skeleton for the night and it's fun to be something else. And even as an adult, I think that's what it is. It's just, what if for a little bit of time, I didn't have to be an adult with responsibilities with mm -hmm. this, with this, with this. What if I was just a monster that hides behind this corner when people come by, you jump out and go blah, and they get scared and you get to go back to go do the thing. That makes a lot of sense to me. I, well, agree, with, I agree with you. I think, I think that for some people it has a lot to do with they allow themselves to be placed in so many different boxes. So when they're at work, they're the manager. And when they're at home, they're, you know, the, the yeah. wife and the mom and, or the aunt or the sister or whoever and that, you know, that's, I think that has a lot to do with why some people choose to act on stage too. When, yes, you dress, when you dress up and you put on costumes and you put on a universally recognizable fictitious mask, it lets yeah. you become that thing uninhibited. Well, and I, Colby would be so happy for me to say this because we have now officially gone back to the importance of the art of play and the importance of role play. Role play games are really good for that too. I agree. Um, RPGs are really good for that. LARPing's good for that. And I'm sure that he'd be very happy that we have somehow circled back to D&D &D and things like that. <laughs> Shit, I'm happy that we've managed to circle our way back to D&D. &D. Like at some point, it feels like the natural progression for Magnificent Whiskers, it's, it's, it's either going to end up <laughs> almost primarily like a fucking role-playing game uh, podcast or uh, we're going to go way off the rails and we're all just going to start LARPing and recording it and that's what it's going to be. Like, it just feels like that's the general direction that it's heading in. Well, I think that that's, that, well, and, and going back to how that ties into the subject with fear and what we're afraid of and horror and and all of that, it's it's that, that brief uh, suspension of disbelief. Um, and that's one of the, one of the communication theories that you, you learn as you become a, you know, when you, when you study this field, which, which I have, um, suspension of disbelief is, it's really important. Imagination is really important. It's how you innovate. It's how you, um, find out what you're made of and, and how you adapt to things and all of that. Plus it's a distraction from the world that's real and the world that's, that's actually scary. And um, I think it's experiencing those things in a controlled way that allows you to explore that, that part of your mind, whether you're the scarer or the scare E, it doesn't matter. Um, but it allows you to work through some of that in a safe environment. No, I think that's a, I think it's a good answer. Again, I like to me, the, horror has always tapped into something psychological the way like an action movie never would you know and i love action movies it's just that's not horror occupies a, a very specific place inside and I, I think that's amy's done a good job of kind of defining why that is 
Yeah, I wonder how much of it is also genealogical. So we know that like our DNA carries with it, or or I think it's generally accepted that our DNA carries with it certain stories, if you will. That's yeah. why like some people are utterly terrified of spiders while other people are perfectly fine with them crawling all over their face. Like there's something deeply rooted within us that tells us, no shit, fuck, I died with one of these before, right? You, um, you think that that might be like um, because of, genes and then also maybe cultures that we we as our ancestors grew up in this region like deep 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 ancestors we're talking like like old ancestors that they they faced that type of creature and now that has imprinted on us on our dna that this is the thing you should be afraid of that or just like the that yeah, like, but, like, also, like, the folk tales that um, our great, great, great many times removed ancestors also told, like, the thing that comes to mind for me is we used to include, we, there were cultures that used to include scary stories as their bedtime stories, they used mm-hmm. to include scary stories during their celebration stories, Krampus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I was saying about ritual and festivals and things like that, where you, you, you face the big scary thing together. Yeah. Um, that's that happens in all all cultures. There's all these stories of of heroes within your community that have faced down the big scary thing and taken and taken it down. Um, and there was a you were saying about like um, imprinted on DNA. There was a meme that every now and then circles through uh, Facebook that says, "Throughout all cultures, we are scared of." beady black eyes and wide tooth grins and throughout throughout all cultures you look at primitive art and that's the thing that's terrifying and then it poses the question what the hell was attacking all of us that looked like that that um we were all afraid of collectively that has somehow imprinted on our dna that that is the thing that's supposed to be scary was it wolves or mammoths or what what which one was it yeah this is the first time i've heard of this i've not even seen this on my facebook not even once oh yeah it circles i don't know i it circles every couple of months that i see it i'm like oh yeah that's something i needed to go to to read right before i went to sleep fuck yeah so, like, I, it never fails I'm looking through the feed as we go to sleep I'm like oh shit there's that meme again now i gotta think about it yeah yeah, yeah, I've seen it a couple times. I will try and find it and see if I can share it so you can uh, put it on the the comments. Yeah, I, wow. And that that's an interesting thing to think about too. Like what, uh, so what, the question was, we all see beady black eyes and, and you know, wide tooth grins. It was that effect, yes. It was something to that effect. It says we all, everyone is is afraid of these little tiny black beady eyes and, and um big wide tooth grins and uh like that kind of stuff we 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 are we are automatically afraid of that what attacked us as a as a species that looked like that that we are so afraid of what the hell attacked us back then i love that yeah i had to find it Mm, that's so creepy to think about like yeah, you, said, you know, it's like there's things that are in our our DNA. Like we just we don't have to be told to be scared of. We just are. Just are. Yeah. We just know to stay away from those things. Absolutely. Like and a cat number. 
<laughs> and speaking of creepy thought exercises, one that I may have already shared with you at some point in time, because uh, I talk about this semi-frequently, but like I had read at one point, um, and I'm going to do that thing where I'm like, hey, I read this thing. I don't remember where I read it, and I can't tell where you where to read it. You just have to trust me that uh, the earth has a way of defending itself against overpopulation it has three main methods. Those methods are famine, plague, and predators. Mm -hmm. And my immediate first thought when I read that, and I mean immediately after I've completed the sentence, I went, huh, I wonder what would have happened if instead of the bubonic plague, it had been lions. <laughs> bubonic. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I know that it'd be much more difficult for lions to, like, hop on the Mayflower and head on over to the United States of America before it was the United States of America, right? The new continent. Well, um, there's plenty of things here that are trying to kill you, too. Have you ever been to Louisiana? Everything is trying to kill you there. Well, yeah, it's America's Australia. <laughs> That's fair. I, I mean, in the sense, even by the bubonic plague times, which I think was the 14th century, uh, even by then, humans were so far the dominant species on earth it's not that nobody ever died by animal but like not on mass you know I, I think for a time before look what were humans were really existentially threatened by animals i mean you've got to go back fifty thousand years i think once we learned to make tools it was kind of over for every other species as far as food chain dominance goes they still attack you. Like think of that thing, like Africa. That still that shit still happens. Oh no doubt. I mean, again, you know, a single person or group of people could absolutely be threatened by animals. But the idea that like humanity, you know, the bubonic plague wiped out a third of the people in Europe. There's. That's true. There's nothing that that would be that big to. Not, no animal that large could take, or would have to be that large to take out that many people. Even if you like left a million grizzly bears loose in in the United States, mean ones, hungry ones, people are gonna. Yeah, but some it, people will die, but not a third of us. Well, it does require. Go ahead, Amy. But even but that but even then, think about that. That's way more terrifying because you can't fucking see it. It's invisible. It's it. You can't grizzly bears. No, no, I'm no saying, the plague. I'm saying, <laughs> They're, they're visible. That is something to see and, and something to, to, to be able to physically fear because you know what it looks like. You can't, there's not like a big green cloud that says, hey, I'm bubonic plague coming, swipe, sweeping through a town, but it happens and everyone dies. Oh, no, no, that's what I'm saying. That's much more frightening. Yeah. I, I was, was kind of riffing on Jeremy's idea of bubonic lions, and I thought there was a time where... Mm some group of animals could have wiped out a I mean, village a village or even Maybe. a few i mean but look once once humanity got buildings and tools and shit animals were only ever going to be so big of a threat i mm -hmm. think i i agree with you and i know that i'm kind of stretching it and let's say it's just to defend the idea itself right but that also suggests that for whatever reason they just wouldn't get it in they just wouldn't take an evolutionary leap. And I think that depending on, and I know it would have to be a pretty extreme one, right? But like right now, the average female lion has like, doesn't even have like a litter, do they? They have like a single uh, cub. Is it one or two? I have no idea. Yeah, I think I think it's mo like, like most large mammals, I think it's just one. Um, okay. But if they suddenly began just like, 
en masse having litters. And then also, like, I, maybe lions wasn't the right one to think of in this way, but I don't know. I don't think it would be too much of a leap. To th- and in today's world, obviously there are measure, measures that we could take where that, that's not something that would be very likely to happen. But in the, even in the 14th century, sure, we had tools and we had firearms and things of that nature. But with a slight jump in, uh, in evolution, whether it be a, an explosion of population, which would require uh, them to expand their hunting territory, which would lead them to start wandering into more human populated areas, that sort of thing. I think that it's still a pretty terrifying thought that you can see it, you think that you're dominant, and yet still you're unable to stop the onslaught. Right. Bears with thumbs is a pretty horrifying thought. Yup. Guard your salmon. I mean, yeah. (laughs) And your peanut butter. They apparently don't like root beer. Don't ask me how I know. Um, Bears don't like root beer. Yeah. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Uh, We actually talked about this on a previous episode, but... Um, speaking of like terrifying animals and things of that nature, the uh, so so let's just all um, hypothetically agree that the um, the idea that all life came from the ocean is like verifiable fact. Oh, and there's some scary shit in that ocean, right? Oh. Well, that's the point, right? So if human fucking beings and everything else came from some organism that one day decided to just grow you know, get rid of their gills, grow a couple of legs and hop out onto the land. What's next? What's going to happen when the, when the ocean starts to get too warm and shit starts to come out? That's why we have kaiju. That's why we have kaiju. Exactly. <laughs> That's what happens. Godzilla's coming. Come but like, for example, did you know that lobsters are technically immortal? No. There, is, ab- there is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that they age to death they die by predators uh almost primarily between us and like other things so i mean like if you could like had an aquarium and a lobster we should just get a rich guy to do that well so i'm not i'm not being totally truthful this is my great great grandfather's (laughs) lobster they actually until it dies of natural causes if they're not eaten they actually end up suffocating to death because they they do reach a point where they can no longer molt Hmm. and so they're just stuck in their shell and they do they they end up suffocating inside the shell interesting but but beyond that they're entirely immortal um so we could we could make if we were able to help them we could make an immortal lobster Theoretically. Can make him stronger, faster. We have the technology. Dollar lobster. (laughs) We have the technology. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Uh, But uh, when we did talk about this, and I think it was Colby who made the assertion, that he's pretty sure it would be octopus. Oh, they're terrifying. They're awesome. Oh, they're so smart, and they're so cool, but they are so terrifying. They know. I, I I think he said, and this is a rough quote, if they didn't literally rip their own genitalia off their body in order to mate and then subsequently die, we'd be done. I mean, I, I, there is some scary stuff in the ocean. 
there's, there's yeah. so many things that we do not understand because we can't get down there. Like there, oh, wow. I know there's definitely a large part of me that wishes that we would be focusing a little bit more time, resources, and energy on what's going on on our planet yeah, than off of it. You know. Don't get me wrong. Space Force, we're just going to fucking move, right? Right, yeah. No, I love space exploration very much. And I think that it's yeah. a valuable thing. But I think maybe it's also important that we understand what's literally cohabitating our own planet with us. Yeah. Because big isn't always the most scary thing, but there's some damn big stuff down there too. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of, of like, look at an anglerfish. What the hell is that thing about? <laughs> what the shit? That is the stuff of nightmares right there. And like, why? Scary. But but like but why? I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think it's the teeth. Uh, it's the teeth and the beady eyes. Yep. <laughs> and why? Yeah, like maybe that's what it is. Maybe that shit has imprinted from when we were, you know, primordial. When we were little little lobsters. <laughs> when we were little lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> the tiniest lobsters. Oh my god. <laughs> It is a terrifying thought, though, uh, given all of the various different life that is that. And then also, um, I've watched enough TV and movies and enough Captain Planet at this point in my life that, like, knowing the amount of shit that we're dumping into the ocean, something's going to get really pissed off at us at some point. (laughs) Yeah. They're just going to be tired of swimming in our garbage and our our oil, and they're going to want to do something about it. Or they're going to flee because their home isn't safe for them anymore. Well, right, exactly. Which is why, like, there's, there's more sightings of certain wildlife and stuff like that because you're destroying what little part of the home you ha- of their home you left for them. Yep. So. It's an upsetting thought. And, uh... Oh, that, that's a whole other genre, genre, though, of horror is, like, or not horror specifically, but, you know, when you're talking about end of times type stuff, post, post-apocalyptic stuff, like, you know, th- these are things that we can, we legitimately can fear. We can think about and, and realize that this is where we're heading. It's, it's, it's terrifying, too. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think that's a little bit more, um, uh, it's more real. Fun. It's, it's more high, it's like high-end fear. But <laughs> yeah, it's less it's less fictitious and more what's actually happening. Yeah. Uh and that could that's that enters into a whole new level of fear. Yeah. Um that's like almost not even fun to talk about anymore. It just but becomes it, it just well. becomes infuriating because it's also like like the the direction that we're headed right now, we're headed in uh our planet is gonna be totally unrecognizable inside of a decade. Right. And as I mentioned before, I decided to spawn. And so as terrifying as it is for me, the thought of like the planet that my kids are going to be growing up on. And they used to do some like, they used to try to scare the shit out of us when we were kids on TV. Yeah. There were like, I distinctly remember kids episodes. There was one show. I distinctly remember the episode. I don't distinctly remember the show where like they kind of went into the future and like everybody had to wear like hyper reflective suits 
and yeah. it's because and back then it was because oh the whole the hole in the ozone layer well it's great that that hole's being repaired now but we're still really ruining our planet in a way that our kids are going to wind up in in a really bad place right uh, boiling oceans and things of that nature like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's a that's a whole nother realm of fear that um uh, that's super uncomfortable to to go down, especially because I actually just had this conversation with a friend the other day, somebody who I, I care about very deeply, but I learned that this isn't a topic of conversation that we can actually go down because we both are just so passionate on different sides of this. And, really? Um, yeah, like for me, I think that like it's it's peer-reviewed mathematical fact that on a one-to-one person basis you can have a tremendous impact on the environment based on your own habits and they argued that that was not the case i i believe that that is that is true however like it's it's corporations that are massively doing the the major amounts of of pollution oh i completely agree like that's the that is the crux of it we can and and you know what though like that's the problem that i have with it is i know that a lot of the recycling that we try to do now it doesn't end up where it's supposed to go anyway that's fair so what the hell are we supposed to do as individuals like that that makes it hard it's like okay well, then what am i supposed to do with it i i i'm i'm doing the thing you're telling me to do i'm recycling like you told me to i know my little number on the triangle blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> the thing but you're still dumping it in a landfill what, what was the point of that or you're not taking it to to the place that it needs to be processed to you're just it's it's not going where it's supposed to yeah i know recycling was a big um has has kind of been flubbed up especially in recent history it's created kind of an issue for a lot of people but there are other measures that were that i think that a, that an individual person can take to impact to, to lessen their impact but then also serve as an example to try to inspire others to do the same, which of course theoretically could create a positive ripple effect. But I think that by reducing our own personal waste, I think that that oh. can help a lot. Um, things like, like, like straws are a problem. Um, and again, there's nothing that any one person is ever going to do that's going to have the same impact as a corporation changing their habits as well. But to, to operate, I think it's also dangerous to operate under the idea that no, not no one person can make any difference, and therefore I'm just not going to try. I think no one raindrop believes it's to blame for the flood, kind of thing. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like I, I, I definitely would never disagree with the idea that um, our our mega corporations uh, continuing to to drill for oil in places that they should leave the fuck alone, and building pipelines, and then um, mega corporations that are dumping billions of pounds of uh billions of tons of uh of toxic refuse into the oceans like we were just talking about and so on like they very much so are more to blame so to speak they could have a much larger impact if they made changes but i think that there still is a measurable impact for me myself personally changing my oh sure i mean absolutely i don't that's i try to not like i don't use like plastic, like disposable cups that much. I use, I use paper products as much as I can, as opposed to plastic. I try and remember my little grocery bag thingies, the, the fabric baggies. Right. I try to do at least baseline stuff. Like, Hey, do I really need to buy disposable stuff all of the time? No, 
I don't. I can wash. I can wash a cup. I can wash a plate. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Like that. That's the kind of stuff that I try to do so that I'm buying less and wasting less. Yeah, exactly. And there are some other measures that we've all that like for me personally. Now, I need to be super clear. Like, I would never look at one person who says, well, I don't think I'm going to make an impact. So I'm not going to do anything. I'm not gonna be like, cool. Well, you're the reason that our planet's going to cook. Like, that's, that's not my perspective. But I do think that uh, deciding how much of the responsibility that one person wants to take on for themselves from an ethics perspective, from a moral perspective is an important Uh, talk to have with yourself and maybe the people that you're closest with. So for me, some of the things that have come to my attention recently are like some of my eating habits. Um, It's, it's well, it's well documented and generally accepted by the scientific community at large that like one of our bigger issues right now is like mass production of livestock is a huge contributor to, to some of the, um, to our issue with climate change. Oh, sure. Well, livestock and, and, and the, they're using crops that are destructive to the land as opposed to, like, for example, if they used hemp for, for creating more products, it'd be way better than using oil to create the plastics. Uh, like, yep. Like all of that kind of stuff. And going for, instead of, you know, instead of getting a coffee cup every morning, using your, your travel mug and that then you're not using styrofoam and you're not using, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, um, as far as eating organically or eating local is way better than trying to buy something at, at like organically in a grocery store, eating local is way beneficial because you're not using the gas to travel it here and there and the packaging to put it in and all of that extra stuff. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Those, all of those things are contributing factors that I think end up getting missed because our society as a whole just behaves the way that it does. Right. It's Um, just easier to make it go away than, to um take the time and be responsible with what you're what you're disposing of yep and it's easier to tell yourself that i'm only one person and i don't have a huge impact on anything so like why would i um why would i make a change well and taking the time to making making yourself um uh knowing knowing all the information and, and making yourself informed and educated about oh well if i buy this as opposed to this you know, this has all of these extra factors or this has all of these extra chemicals or whatever, but I, I, we watched a lot of The Good Place. I don't know if you've ever watched it. I love The Good Place so much. Well, I mean, look at look at the decisions that people make. It, there's, It's impossible to make a good decision anymore. It's impossible to make a good decision. You are hurting something in some way and that always counts as negative. I can see why it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming for me. I try to be a responsible person, but sometimes, man, y'all are making this my fault, and I, I'm just trying to be a good person. <laughs> yeah, that, I, and that, you're right. That can be extremely overwhelming. I, it, it comes down to a balance game of deciding the things that are most important to us as individuals and what we feel makes the most positive impact based on our own you know, line of ethics. Right, right. Yeah. It makes Shit. it hard. We went from horror to existential dread. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, it's it's really all under the same umbrella, right? It, it, <laughs> it's stuff stuff that keeps you up at night. Earlier. <laughs> stuff that keeps you up at night and that you may need a therapist for. What's that? I was saying stuff that keeps you up at night and that you may need a therapist for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or both. Yeah. On that note, I've actually managed to tie you guys up for a solid hour here. So I think that's a good place for us to bring our episode to a close. 
Um, did you guys have some social media plugs for where people can find you and tell you what they think about what you think? Uh, just on the, just use our page use the magnificent whiskers page. I, I haunt it every now and then. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. And all of that information is of course going to be listed right in the show notes along with any links that for anything that we've discussed in here as usual and, um, any, uh, other social media, both personal and for the show itself. Yeah, do us a favor. Please remember to like and subscribe to the show. We'd be extremely appreciative if you left, left us a review on iTunes or whatever uh, whatever medium you're using to listen to the show. As always, our goal is to open a conversation and continue it with you guys, the people who listen to the show. So to that end, hit up our social media and thank you so much again for listening. Ben and Amy, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. You bet. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. I will. Uh, I can't wait to see you all again. We'll see ya. Talk to you soon.